The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country and entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth, the town of Judah. And when Elizabeth heard the sound of Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed in a loud voice, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is it granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, at the sound of your greeting coming to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of all that the Lord had spoken to her. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior for he has looked upon the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from this point forward, all generations shall call me blessed for he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estates. He has filled the hungry with good things. And the rich he sent empty away. He has helped his servant Israel according to his remembrance of his mercy. As it was spoken to our fathers, to Abram, and to his offspring forever. And Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months and then returned to her home. And this is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would open this word to us now, perhaps as never before, by your Holy Spirit, that we would receive afresh the gospel, that we would be changed more and more to be like Jesus. Give us joy in this Advent and coming Christmas season, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Invite you to be seated. <clears throat> I want more joy at the Christmas gospel. I want more joy at hearing the Christmas gospel. I'm not talking about warm feelings or sentimentality. Uh, I'm pretty good at that. Uh, you know, it's pretty easy to have warm feelings and a bit of sentimentality about food at this time of year and about people gathered together, about gifts and about Christmas lights. Although I'll tell you, living in Deerfield, I am sick of Christmas lights. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the amount of traffic in front of my home is amazing. Um, I want more joy. I want more deep residing joy, joy that would get me out of my seat, joy that would get me off the ground even, leaping for joy. I want more joy. I want what baby John has in Elizabeth's womb. Baby John, 
still in Elizabeth's womb, when he meets his cousin, Jesus, just barely, barely conceived by the Holy Spirit, as John, baby John, meets Jesus, he leaps for joy. I mean, babies do all kinds of things in the womb. Verse 41 says that he leapt in her womb. And then I, I have seen four babies go come through the womb in our house and babies kick and wiggle and can do some pretty amazing things, even sometimes almost move a husband out of the bed. But leaping, leaping, leaping. And verse 44 explains the leaping. Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, can understand what this leap is about. She says the baby leapt for joy. Joy. John is leaping for joy inside Elizabeth's womb. I want this kind of joy. You see, baby John is born to be a prophet and already, even in the womb, he is functioning as a prophet. He's living at his calling even in the womb. As Maximus of Turin in the fifth century, I know I probably don't even need to read this, you're all up on your Maximus of Turin, um, but he writes this, he says, not yet born already, John prophesies, not yet born, John already prophesies. And while still in the enclosure of his mother's womb, confesses the coming of Christ with movements of joy since he could not do so with his voice. I mean, John is effectively preaching his first sermon with this leap. And that's really what this text seems to indicate. I mean, John is leaping. He can't speak yet. He's not yet out of the womb. But already, here's John's first prophetic sermon. He meets the Lord for the first time. He meets Jesus, and he leaps for joy. And do you know what results from this little leaping sermon, this little baby leaping sermon? Revival breaks out in Elizabeth's house. He leaps, and if you follow the verses, his leap then causes Elizabeth to be filled with the Holy Spirit. She then prophesies over Mary, and then Mary responds in song with pretty much the most famous song in the Bible over the last 2,000 years, what we call the Magnificat. John preaches his first sermon by leaping in the womb and revival breaks out in this house. John is joyfully leaping because of the gospel. You see, what we see in uh, the Magnificat and in Elizabeth's response, I think is really a response to this sermon. In other words, if you want to know what John is leaping for joy about, look at the Magnificat. Look at what Elizabeth says in response by the leading of the Holy Spirit. And as we look and see how they respond with the Magnificat and Elizabeth's words, we see what I will call the gospel according to baby John. Right? The gospel according to baby John. He has preached his first sermon. What is the gospel that has brought about such joy for him? Well, it's this. You could really sum up the Magnificat and Elizabeth's words, 
I believe, with this phrase. Here's the gospel according to baby John. We could call it the gospel according to the Magnificat or the gospel according to Mary, but three weeks ago when I wrote the title for the sermon, it was the gospel according to baby John. So we'll just leave it there for today. The point is, looking at the Magnificat, what is the gospel? What is the good news? And it's this. Here's what John is leaping for joy about. That our exodus of mercy has come in this child Jesus. Our exodus of mercy has come in this child Jesus. And if we understand it, we break open what that means, we friends will find in this Advent an almost Christmas season. I believe the same joy that made this baby leap. If we understand John's gospel, the gospel according to baby John, we ourselves will find that joy afresh and maybe even get out of our seats. So the good news, let's break this down. The good news which John is seeing and receiving in meeting Jesus is that his exodus has come. The exodus has come. Now, you may say, where's this language of exodus coming from? I didn't didn't hear the word exodus here. Well, it's all the way through the Magnificat. You see, in verse 51, Mary says, he has shown strength with his arm, which is a direct quotation from the Exodus story. In Exodus chapter 6, verse 6, the Lord says through the prophet Moses, therefore say to the people Israel, I am the Lord. And I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm, or literally an arm of strength. The language here is God bearing his arm of strength to redeem and rescue his people. And this is what Mary is claiming in this Magnificat. He has showed strength with his arm. It's Exodus language. You see, the Magnificat really is this amazing compilation of so many phrases and concepts and direct quotations from the Old Testament. I mean, you've got Hannah's psalm from uh, Hannah's song from 1 Samuel, and you've got Exodus language throughout. See, the Exodus was the moment in Israel's history, the moment where God came to redeem his people. Under the yoke of slavery, he delivered them. Exodus means to take them out. It means deliverance. It means rescue. And the exodus coming out of Egypt was for the Jews, for Israel, the greatest moment of God's acting in their history. God had moved mightily to rescue them out and deliver them. And yet what John is saying here, and by the way, the language of this is clearly, again, in the Magnificat. This language of coming out from under injustice and oppression. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He's brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent empty away. He has helped his servant Israel. This is Exodus language. But what John is leaping for is not just a remembrance of God's past Exodus. John is leaping because as he meets Jesus, womb to womb meeting, he says, a new exodus, the greater exodus, the best exodus, the one I really need is now here. 
You see, what we need in this world is exodus, friends. We live in a world that we need deliverance from evil, from oppression. There is so much wrong and broken in this world. There is so much wrong and broken in our lives that we need the Lord to come and rescue us. I mean, as we approach Christmas, I know this time of year is always, you know, we say it's the most wonderful time of the year, except when it isn't. For those who have lost a loved one this year, for those who have gone through financial hardship this year, for those who have just are looking into 2017 and saying, I don't even know what's coming down the line. I hope it's not worse than what I've just faced. For those right now in Cairo this morning in the Coptic Orthodox Cathedral that was bombed this morning. These are all pictures of a world broken, a world that is oppressing its people, a world that needs deliverance. John leaps because he sees that our exodus has come, our deliverer has come. I mean, here are these words that we're going to read in a couple weeks from now, just a little preview into Christmas. These words from Isaiah 9. Imagine hearing these words, especially if this year for you has been really, really hard. A people who walk in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of his peace, there will be no end. This is what John sees, receives, knows as he meets Jesus, womb to womb. My deliverer is here and he leaps for joy. But it's not just an exodus that he's leaping over. It's an exodus of mercy. And oh, thank the Lord, it is an exodus of mercy. Because you see, if it wasn't an exodus of mercy, we'd be in a lot of trouble. It wouldn't be an exodus for ordinary people like you and me. Here's what I mean. Look at verse 50 and 54. This word mercy. And his mercy is for those who fear him. Verse 54, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. You see, the problem often happens that when we look at God delivering his people, if we do not embrace it and realize that it is an exodus of mercy, then who's getting rescued? I mean, put it this way. If we look out in the world and we see evil, We see Satan and sin and brokenness all around us, injustice, and we're saying, Lord, we need to be delivered from this. The problem we need to face is that we're part of that problem. We have evil and sin and brokenness living within us. I remember being on an airplane. I don't know what it is, about 40,000 feet in the air and praying, but it was, I was having a really clear moment and I was, I was praying. And in, in, in that time, I just said, it was a couple of years ago, I, I, we had a bunch of issues going on in our lives. And I just said, Lord, would you just expel the evil that is in our home and in our family and in our lives and our church and all the rest. And just, just deal with that evil. Bear your arm of strength against that evil. And, and it was amazing. Immediately after praying those words, I felt really convicted. 
And I realized, yeah, well, for that prayer to come true, he's going to have to deal with me because I'm part of the problem. If I want evil and sin dealt with in my household and my family and my life, guess who it's got to start with? You see, if it's not an exodus of mercy, then it's not going to include you and me. We're part of the problem. If it's an exodus of merit, something we've earned, God's going to look down and find all the really good people. Well, there won't be any exodus at all. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's an exodus of mercy. God comes to us and gives us what we do not deserve. I love Alexander Solzhenitsyn's quote that I think we need to hear every time there's been an election year, especially. But he says, the line separating good and evil passes not through states, nor between classes, nor between political parties. No, the line separating good and evil passes right through every human heart and through all human hearts. We need this to be an exodus of mercy because we need to be included in the deliverance. See, God comes to us who do not deserve to be rescued and rescues us. That's an exodus of mercy. The Oxford English Dictionary, you know those big, big dictionaries that you need a magnifying glass to look at? I love those. I was given one. I've, I've quoted this before, uh, this definition of mercy out of the Oxford English Dictionary. My parents gave me uh, an OED a few years ago with the magnifying glass and everything, and they said, well, we just figured this was really you. And I wonder, well, what does that say about me? Um, but here's the definition of the Oxford English Dictionary. And by the way... Um, the Oxford English Dictionary is the Queen's English. So therefore, there's occasionally some different spellings than I find down here in America. Um, we use in Canada the Queen's English, um, and I'm learning how to let go of the Queen's English. Um, we put use in pretty much everything, um, honor, savior. You know, so if, if, if you ever see me putting a U in something, just forgive me. But I will say this, just remember that my savior includes you. It was funnier in my head. All right. Um, here's the definition. Finally, he gets the OED. The definition of mercy in the Oxford English Dictionary, which I just love this. And I've quoted this once before for you. It's not the last time today. Forbearance and compassion shown to a powerless person, especially an offender. Or to one with no claim to receive kindness, mercy, kindness unearned, or kind and compassionate treatment in a case where severity, or, severity is merited or expected. Kind and compassionate treatment in a case where severity is merited or expected. This is what mercy is. And this is why it's so foundational to the good news of Jesus Christ. God is showing us mercy. He's showing us a deliverance which we do not deserve. Thank God it is not an exodus of merit. It is an exodus of mercy. And so John leaps for joy. The redeemer, the deliverer is here. The exodus is here. And I get included because it's an exodus of mercy. But not only that makes John leap. Baby John leaps for joy, not only because it's an exodus, the exodus, the great exodus, 
And by the way, just a note, isn't it cool that John, baby John, is going to grow up, and since all this is about a new exodus coming, that his ministry, his preaching ministry, is going to take place in the Jordan River. And in the Jordan River, he's going to be taking Israelites and putting them through the waters. What does that sound like? John is saying, Israel, we need again to go through the Exodus, just as you went through the Red Sea, so I'm going to take you through the waters of baptism, through the waters in a new Exodus, but this Exodus will actually deal with the real problem, not Pharaoh, not Caesar, but sin and death itself. Isn't that cool? Well, I thought it was cool. All right, so the Exodus of mercy... Not only is it an exodus of mercy, and that's what makes John leap, but it is an exodus of, mercy, exodus of mercy that has come in this child. This child. Um, Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, says in verse 42 and 43, she exclaims with a loud cry, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me. The mother of my Lord should come to me. This child that John is greeting, Elizabeth refers to her, his mother as the mother of the Lord, my Lord. And I've read all kinds of commentaries trying to understand this. And I'll tell you, there is no way to read this phrase, the mother of my Lord, as anything less than the Holy Spirit somehow grabbing a hold of Elizabeth to understand that the Lord himself is somehow in this womb. It is the Lord. You see, in the Old Testament, back in the Exodus story again, see, this is all about Exodus. Back in the Exodus story, when Moses wants to go out and lead Israel, as God leads him out, God, Moses says to God, you need to give me your name. I need your name, your personal name, because they're going to say, who sent you? And so God gives Moses his personal name. And we've tried to translate it and speak it and pronounce it, you know, for 4,000 years. Uh, sometimes we say Jehovah. Sometimes we say Yahweh. There's all kinds of names for God, but this is the personal name of God. And yet Israelites were so worried worried not to mispronounce and not to misuse the name of the Lord that whenever they'd be reading in the scriptures and they'd come to the name of the Lord... They'd say, Adonai, the Hebrew word for Lord, Adonai. So they wouldn't speak the name of God, they'd say Adonai. And so transport that 2,000 years ahead in usage. Now when they speak of the Lord, who are they talking about? They're talking about the personal God who came to Moses, the one who personally revealed himself to Moses. When Elizabeth says, why is it granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? She, by the Holy Spirit, is saying nothing less than God is in the womb. I don't know how, as I think what the side note here that never made it in the scriptures. I think Elizabeth Africa was, I don't understand it, but God is somehow in the womb. This child, you see, John is leaping because God himself has come down. God has come to redeem. God didn't send someone else to fix this solution. God didn't some, send another Moses to deliver us. More than Moses, God himself comes to deliver us. That's what John is leaping for. 
In two weeks' time, again, another. I'm giving you all the Christmas verses. You still need to come back for Christmas. But on Luke chapter 2, the shepherds will hear from the angels that I bring you glad tidings of good news that is for all people. Great joy, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. I mean, the Christmas pageant is declaring, the Christmas story is declaring that God has come among us in this child, personally. We have a Christmas pageant this afternoon at 4.30 today. It's going to be the best Christmas pageant in the history of Christchurch. I know they've all been great before. Today's the best because two of the actors live at my house. Um, so you have to be there. Um, it's going to be the best Christmas pageant ever. But you know, you, know that, you know that phrase, though, in all seriousness, the best Christmas pageant ever? Do some of you know that Barbara Robinson book and that movie, The Best Christmas Pageant Ever? Um, the, the, the story of the Herdman children uh, described as unchurched welfare kids who lie, steal, cheat, and smoke cigars, even the girls who decide to muscle their way into the Christmas pageant and take over all the lead parts, and it looks like it's going to be a disaster. I mean, these kids are so rough around the edges, and yet as they rehearse, as they take on these roles, these Herdman children hear the gospel. They incarnate the gospel. They live the gospel to the point where one of my favorite moments is when one of the Herdman girls who's playing the Christmas angel comes into those shepherds, and her word to them is, hey, hey, unto you a child is born. She says it again, the shepherds don't quite move fast enough for her excitement, and she starts beating them up towards the manger. Get up to the manger. And I think it's a good interpretation of Luke 2. Get going. I mean, she's so passionate about the story because the story has grabbed a hold of her. She gets it. And do you know what's amazing about that, at least in the movie version? When the pageant is done, they go out into the streets and that same Christmas angel, that Herdman girl, she's now got her costume off. She goes out into the streets as people are leaving. She gets up beside the Christmas tree and she keeps saying her lines. Hey, hey, unto you a child is born. She really got it. It didn't stay in the pageant. It got into her heart and she took it into the world. She gets it. This child has come to us. God in this child, God in the flesh. Look in the creche. He came for you. God himself came for you and me. Hey, hey, unto you a child is born. And so baby John leaps. And John leaps in this moment, preaching his first little in utero sermon, he is going to live into this call in his life. John is not only going to respond in joy to this gospel, but the joy of this gospel is going to propel him into a life of ministry. His whole life is going to be built around proclaiming this gospel. Our exodus of mercy has come in this child. One of my favorite roles, one of my first, I find it interesting, one of my first roles uh, when I, as, a, as an actor 
my first major roles was playing John the Baptist in, um, in Godspell, in Stephen Schwartz's Godspell. Um, and it's interesting, my last major role was Friar Lawrence in Romeo and Juliet. So I think the Lord was trying to say something uh, in that, unbeknownst to me. But in, in Stephen Schwartz's Godspell, long before he wrote Wicked or Prince of Egypt, um, he wrote this opening, this joyful, profound opening to God's spell. Baby John grows up and he is going to live out the joy of this gospel and proclaiming it to the world. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. That's how it begins. But you know what's amazing is it also ends with that song because it's our song. We, like John the Baptist, are sent out with this gospel. Will you let it grab a hold of you? Will you let the joy well up within you as you hear this gospel and then go out into the streets like John? Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. It's our purpose. It's our calling. But we need the joy to be there to propel us out. If you and I spend what's left of Advent, these next couple weeks, pondering this gospel according to baby John, if we spend the next couple weeks really thinking about, really praying through, our exodus, our deliverance of mercy has come in this child, Jesus. If we ponder that, friends, we will find joy welling up within us. We will find joy renewed. And you know what's going to happen with that joy renewed? Is it's going to propel you and me out into the streets more and more to proclaim I want more joy. I want more joy of the Christmas gospel. I don't want warm feelings and sentimentality. I want joy that gets me out of my seats, that gets me off the ground leaping like this baby prophet. I want what baby John had in Elizabeth's womb when he first met the Christ child. But if I want his joy, I need his gospel. Our exodus of mercy has come in this child. Will we receive it? Will we receive it and feel and know and leap with the joy that emerges in us? Will Plano hear Christ Church responding in joy this season as we invite our neighbors into Christmas, as we invite our neighbors into our home? Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Christ Church's song. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. And Elizabeth said, when I heard the sound of your greeting to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.